Well, hello there. Welcome to another episode of Cash Clarity. I'm your host, Abby Nerderman, and I am thrilled that you are listening today because today I'm reviewing how to prepare for your year-end bookkeeping task. I chose this topic because, well, it's at the end of the year and we all have a million bajillion things to do at the end of year and some of it's dictated to us and other tasks are, well, they're they're self-imposed. And I know that we're all looking for some peace of mind, that everything is taken care of, to be able to start the new year off on the right foot. And it can be difficult to keep track of everything that we need to do. You may be thinking, I have too much to do and I don't know where to start, or you might be feeling overwhelmed and unsure of what all the obligations are, or you're scared that maybe you're missing something because of a gap in knowledge somewhere. We ought to be doing fun stuff at this time of year, like planning our annual promotions or any product launches and thinking about all the exciting things we can do with all that hard-earned cash like maybe buying a new vehicle or going on vacation or updating our wardrobe. And just to put this into perspective, I have a really good example of a situation that happened to my client a while back. So they had hired an accountant to help them with their income tax filings, their estimated taxes, and their annual reporting. This accountant failed to submit and file the annual report to the state agency on my client's behalf. By the time my client realized what had happened, they were so far past the deadline that they not only had to pay the missed registration fee, but they also had to pay to be reinstated. Ugh, yikes, not fun at all, right? So it's really important to sit down, think about the bookkeeping tasks that we need to do, make sure all the deadlines are on our calendar, and start off the year on the right foot. I have five steps for you to get ready for the new year and to close out the previous year. The first being getting familiar with your deadlines. Now, we have all sorts of obligations to the government, and this includes income taxes, payroll taxes, sales and local tax, and state registration and annual reporting. As I was preparing for this episode, I ended up creating over a page's worth uh, of deadlines and what was due on those days. So instead of just listing them off, like a January 15th, pay estimated tax for fourth quarter 2019, January 31st, distribute annual W-2 into 99 forms, like that is so boring to listen to. So I created a freebie for you. Make sure you go and grab that on the, on the show notes. The show notes are at goldenratiobookkeeping.com forward slash zero one zero. This freebie mostly focuses on the income tax filing deadlines and the payroll tax filing deadlines. So in addition to grabbing that freebie, go out to the Department of Revenue for the state that you're in to make sure that you are fulfilling your sales and local tax obligations and also to make sure that you are doing your annual reporting or otherwise known as your state registration. So moving on to step number two is closing out the books for the year. Now, if you haven't been doing a good job staying organized and gathering your documentation throughout from throughout the year, then you want to make sure and block out some time to capture all those papers or emails or document, digital documents, and get those into some kind of file system that makes sense to you. Now, I did go into 
great detail on how to catch up on your bookkeeping if you haven't been doing such a hot job. And that was episode seven. So make sure and go to goldenratiobookkeeping.com forward slash 007, how to catch up on your bookkeeping. And you'll get the download on that. Now, once your bookkeeping is all up to date and everything's gathered and integrated into the accounting software, you want to do a little bit of review, especially if you have payroll. If you've been running payroll, either for yourself or for employees or both, you want to check and make sure that your withholdings are correct for any fringe benefits, any deferred compensation, and any end of year bonuses. I know if you're the kind of boss that likes to give like a holiday gift or end of year bonus in some other form than the normal payroll method, like say you're using direct deposit and you want to hand over a nice paper check and you want to do it outside of the payroll, make sure to go back and calculate what your withholding taxes should have been for the gross amount. Meaning if maybe you got a gift card for your employees and um, it's some dollar amount, that's the net value. You need to go back and reverse engineer what the gross amount should have been so you get the withholding taxes right and make sure that your W-2s that go out in January are correct. Then if your business is has a physical product or is a retail of some kind, make sure and do a physical inventory. You wanna make sure that your numbers are right and that you have a good idea of what value you have of merchandise on hand. Once you've gathered and organized all your documents, you've reviewed all of your payroll withholdings, and you've taken a physical inventory, make sure then to reconcile your balance sheet accounts. So any cash accounts you have, uh, like a checking or savings account, any credit card accounts you might have, you want to reconcile any loan balances you have or lines of credit, and reconciling an inventory report is also very important. If you need some help getting caught up for 2019, I'm really excited to share with you that I am creating a challenge in early January. I haven't officially named it, but for this podcast, we'll call it the Close the Books Challenge. And if you want to sign up for that and participate with me, go to goldenratiobookkeeping.com forward slash challenge. And this is going to be a completely free challenge. There will be emails to go out with it and a Facebook group to help keep everyone accountable. And this is going to be something to make sure everything is in and done right. And it's going to really take the things that you're learning in today's episode and go a step further and take a deep dive and really get you set up on the right foot for the new year. Step number three is confirming employee information. You need to verify each employee's name and spelling, their address, and their social security number. Chances are you have a W-4 or an I-9 on file, and that should capture the correct spelling of their name and the correct social security number, but it's always good to double check with your employee at the end of the year that their address is correct. You know, this is the easiest thing to miss as far as being an employer. If you've had employees move around, you know, they may have forgotten to tell you and it's not always something that comes up in work conversation. So make sure and touch base with each of your employees and get their most updated and correct address. Then you also want to review all of your employee benefits that you offer throughout the year. 
if you had a retirement plan or maybe a health plan, health benefits plan, um, any deferred compensation, sick time, vacation time, just any paid time off in general, or maybe some other benefits you have. And make sure that you've tallied up all of those totals correctly and make sure that you've correctly reported any benefits withholdings or any fringe benefits that we discussed earlier and make sure that those are those amounts all make sense. Then you're going to want to file and distribute their W-2s. Both the employee gets a copy, you get a copy, and then the Social Security Administration gets a copy. Aside from your salaried employees, you also want to do the same exercise for any vendors or contractors. The good news is you don't have to do this for everyone. You need to do this for anyone that you've paid more than $600 throughout the year. And there is a fairly lengthy list of exceptions. Vendors that are operating as an S-Corp or C-Corp, you don't need to do this for. Likewise, for any LLCs or partnerships that are filing as an S-Corp or C-Corp. Then you don't need to do this for sellers of merchandise, freight, storage, or similar items. And any payments or rent that go through a real estate agent, like some kind of property management firm. However, if you do have a landlord that you're paying directly that doesn't have some kind of middle property management, then that's an exception. You would need to do this for them. To find out if whether or not you need to create a 1099 for a vendor or contractor, your best bet is to request a W-9. They'll either tell you right off the bat that they don't need a 1099 from you, or they'll give you their W-9. And there's no harm in distributing and filing a 1099 that is not required. You're not going to get slapped on the wrist for doing something extra by any means. Also, you don't need to worry about any payments that you've made through credit card or PayPal. So if you did pay one of these vendors with one of those payment forms, then the IRS allows taxpayers to exclude them from doing a 1099. Those payments are being reported by the card issuers or, you know, the PayPal using a 1099-K form. So like I said, collecting a W-9 is going to give you all the information you need. And they should have the correct spelling of their name, the most up-to-date current address, and their identification number. Their identification number can vary depending on their business entity and how they run business. It could be their social security number or they could have a federal employer identification number. Then the very last thing you want to do to confirm your employee data, well, it's not really confirming their data, is you want to grant any year-end bonuses. Step four is doing a review of your financial and your tax information. By this point, you've already got all up to date and closed your books for the year. So you want to make sure and go out and review your income statement, otherwise known as your profit and loss. You want to review your balance sheet, and you want to review your statement of cash flows. If you need some tips on this, go back to episode number number three, the most important money reports to review, and that will give you a good idea of the things that you should be looking for on your financial statements. After reviewing your reports, be sure to check out the 
Social Security Administration website. Every October, they announce the maximum amount of earnings that are subject to Social Security tax. So make sure that you're up to speed on the new maximum for the coming year. And if you have employees at the start of the new year, make sure to address their payroll to account for any new higher taxable wage uh, based on the new Social Security maximum. And notify any affected employees that more of their paychecks will be subject to the Social Security withholding and that they may wind up paying a little bit more in taxes. Nobody likes a surprise, so be a good boss and make sure that they know that they might have more withheld from their paychecks in the coming year. All right, after you've, you've reviewed all your financial activity and you've gone and looked at the Social Security Administration website, then you want to review your business for any other tax deductions that you may be eligible for. I'm going to go over three common deductions that you likely can um, file for on your taxes. The first being travel expenses, the second one being home office, and the third being vehicle expenses. Now, I do recommend that you get with a professional tax preparer to help you understand the ins and outs of these because there's lots of caveats and exceptions and you may or may not qualify for all parts of the deduction. But just to give you a general idea, I'm going to briefly go over some of the highlights of these deductions. The first being the travel expense deduction. Regular commuting expenses home to your regular place of business and back are not deductible. Any business travel other than commuting to customers, to suppliers, or for any other business purpose is deductible. Other travel expenses that you can deduct include um, food and lodging and miscellaneous expenses only if you're away from home overnight. Now, if you're traveling for both a business and pleasure purpose, say you're staying a couple extra days uh, on your business trip to enjoy some vacation time, then what part of the cost is business and what part of the cost is vacation? You may be able to deduct some of it and you may be able to deduct all of it if you carefully follow the rules. If the reason for your trip is primarily personal, more than half the days are for vacation, then none of the travel expenses to and from the destination are deductible. Only expenses directly related to your business can be deducted. If your trip is primarily for business, so more than half the days are for business, and it is within the United States, the cost of the round trip travel is fully deductible, even if some of the trip is for pleasure. So you can tack on a short vacation onto a business trip, and the only costs that aren't deductible are the non-business expenses, such as the extra day's lodging and the meals and entertainment. If you have a business trip that overlaps a weekend requiring you to be there Friday and the following Monday, lucky you, you can write off the weekend as well as a business expense even though all you did was sit on the beach and dance in the clubs. As long as it is less expensive to stay the weekend than to go home Friday and come back Monday morning. When counting business versus vacation days, a business day does not require you to do business all day. Any day you put in at least four hours of work is considered a business day. Any day your presence is required for any amount of time is considered a business day, and travel days count as business days. If you are going to add personal days onto a business trip, well, chances are you want to be joined by some fine companies such as your spouse, significant other, maybe your kids, or a friend. 
The expenses incurred by those that are joining with you probably are not going to be deductible unless they're joining you for a specific business purpose. You can still deduct what it would cost you to travel alone when you when deducting lodging, for example, you can write off the single occupant rate at the hotel, which is often the same or slightly less than a double occupant or family rate you would actually pay. All right, switching gears to the home office deduction. This refers to any home business space, such as an office, workshop, studio, maybe a warehouse, <laughs> uh, or, or your garage, a store, showroom, for example, in your home, then the expenses directly related to the space, including rent, utilities, insurance, um, property taxes, any uh, home repairs or improvements, painting, decorating, and the list goes on and on. Those are all expenses that could be captured by this deduction. Now, the term home usually includes houses, apartments, lofts, condos, trailers, mobile homes, boats, if you're living on a boat. Um, and it also includes any separate structures such as uh, maybe a detached garage or shop or other building. Failure to qualify for a home office deduction doesn't prohibit you from operating your business out of your home. It only means that the office itself and all the expenses directly related to the office space are not deductible on your federal tax income taxes. You can still deduct all legitimate, legitimate business expenses other than those directly related to the business space itself. Now, the home office rule applies to sole proprietors, partners and partnerships, and owners of LLCs. Partnerships and LLCs and corporations come under different rules. To be eligible for the home office deduction, your business must meet two basic rules. One, it must be regular and exclusive use. And two, it's the principal place of business. So the regular and exclusive use rule means that a specific part of your home must be used regularly and exclusively for business. It can be a separate room or part of a room as long as it's used for business and nothing else, period. No television in the office, no personal paperwork at the desk, no games on the computer. The business area can't double as a guest room, kids room, or anything else even when you are not working. There are two exceptions to the exclusive rule. If your home is a sole fixed location for retail sales business and if you regularly store your inventory or your samples in your home, the expense of maintaining the storage area is deductible even if it isn't exclusive use of the space. And the second, the second exception is if you operate a licensed daycare facility in your home, you do not have to use the space exclusively for business. Then rule two, the principal place of business rule. In order for your home office to be deductible, it must meet at least one of these three requirements in addition to the regular and exclusive use requirement uh, just mentioned before. Requirement number one defined by the IRS is that your office must be the most important, consequential, or influ influential location with uh, the main emphasis being on this is where you meet customers or clients. And the second emphasis being, this is where you spend the most time. The second requirement is, is if your home office is used regularly to meet with customers, clients, or patients, 
or it's used regularly to generate sales. And then requirement three is if the home office is where you do a substantial amount of administrative or management type work, like uh, your paperwork, any research, you know, ordering uh, supplies from Amazon, uh, scheduling uh, appointments, and that kind of thing. So just to recap a little on the home office deduction, there are two rules. Rule one being a regular and exclusive use of the space. And rule two, the home office is the principal place of business according to those three requirements that I just explained to you. Okay, now for the vehicle deduction. Now there's, there's two methods. You can keep itemized records for the actual cost of the vehicle, gasoline, maintenance, oil changes, parking, tolls, rents, uh, for garages, license and registration fees, or you could do method two, which is instead of recording every single thing, you just do a standard flat mileage rate for each mile driven. Now, if you use the mileage method, you do need to keep really good uh, records of your travel log, and you, you need to record your business miles driven, including the time of day, the destination, and the business purpose for that trip. And if you are audited, you don't, ha- and you don't have a good daily record, or if you only have estimates or summaries, the IRS will disallow the dis- deduction. You may not use the mileage allowance if you hire a taxi or a rideshare service. In business, vehicles do not qualify for the standard mileage allowance. Now, just so you're aware, uh, the IRS does flag people who claim 100% of business use of a vehicle and could increase your chance of being audited. The IRS agents know that it's rare for an individual to actually use a vehicle 100% of the time for business, especially if no other vehicle is available for personal use. Okay, and then the last... Step, step number five for your year-end booking task is to celebrate. Congratulate yourself for a job well done. So those are the five steps, you know, understanding the deadlines, closing the books, confirming your employee information, and reviewing your financial and tax information. Then celebrating, celebrate, woo! So now I want to challenge you in the next 24 hours to put all of your tax deadlines for the year on your calendar. Make sure you grab my freebie to help you with it and don't forget to sign up for my Close the Books Challenge in January. You can find the links to both of those items in the show notes at goldenratiobookkeeping.com forward slash zero one zero. Now that you know your year-end bookkeeping steps, you can avoid getting slapped with any fines or fees for being late and instead start the new year with confidence that you're not leaving any loose ends out there. You should no longer be feeling uncertain about your year-end tax obligations and you know your tax deadlines because you've downloaded the freebie. Plus, you understand what information needs to be reviewed in time for filing your taxes to take advantage of certain deductions. And now you can start thinking about more of the fun stuff like how you're going to improve your service or products in the coming year. I hope you come back for the next episode because... Next week, I am going to talk about how bookkeeping can improve your business. Bookkeeping shouldn't be a big headache and hassle. It should be helping you make more money. Now, if you like the sound of that, be sure to listen in next week. 
Thank you so much for listening. If you like this episode, please subscribe to the show where you listen to podcasts. And if you'd like to be featured on a listener shout out in a future Cash Clarity episode, please leave a review on iTunes. Until next time.